right time to bring in the experts then to talk all about what's been happening in the region as well as globally. We've got Stuart Alcroft, Asian Fund Management Industry Consultant, as well as Barry Wood, RTHK's International Economics Correspondent. Joining us now, gentlemen, good morning. Good morning, Megan. Good morning, Mega. Uh, fantastic. Okay, I want to start off with the rate cut. While it was, uh, you know, we were building that in, the, just the quantum of it, I think, took everyone by surprise. Uh, uh, Barry, start off with you. You know, this is kicking off a rate cut cycle in the world's second largest economy. I mean, um, and much more aggressive than we were expecting. Well, I suppose it is. Mm. But if you've got a housing sector and the kind of disaster zone that the Chinese housing sector is in, then uh, you cut rates to try to get people uh, in. But, uh, you know, look, as you had on the news earlier, uh, maybe people aren't interested because they've already got a lot of money mm. in the housing sector. Whether this will make a difference, who knows? But I will defer to Stuart Allcraft. Ah, thank you, Barry. I thought you'd lump it on me eventually. Um, yeah, I, I don't agree that it's um, a surprise. I think most people were expecting a rate cut, and, and most people who had been looking at the market were actually looking for a bigger rate cut rather than a smaller rate cut, um, simply because uh, at the moment China is not going very well economically. It needs to do far more to support uh, its industries, and anything that helps to improve the, the outlook would be well received. Well, well received is a, is a is a maybe a, an advisable term here because uh, this rate cut is still not enough to make uh, uh, doing business and, and borrowing money to do business cheap enough to to uh, stimulate the economy. I think. Yeah. Uh, would you say I it's more of a mood booster then, a sentiment booster rather than absolutely. actually? Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. I don't. I don't see it as anything other than that. And I do think that we could expect to see another rate cut from the from the bank in the not too distant future, um, if, especially if uh, this one doesn't achieve the objectives that have been set for it. Um, and and those objectives, well, of course, the PBOC doesn't necessarily say out loud what the objectives are, but the market will do so by by showing how well it. Uh, um, thinks this rate cut is is doing for for property companies in particular, but uh, as we know, I mean, the the property sector in China is really struggling very badly, and this will still not be enough to um, to stave off more liquidations and bankruptcies. Right, and the you know any rate cut or any moves that we have on the monetary side, they don't work in silos. They have implications through uh, through the economy, through the currency markets. Um, yesterday, I believe after um, you know after the rate cut was announced, uh, the, the the yuan fell to its lowest since mid November against the U.S. dollar, and there were reports coming in that you know major Chinese state-owned banks were stepping into the currency markets to provide support to the yuan. Um, Barry, these are, you know, in a way, worrying signs, would you say? I would say that, mm. yes. <laughs> but as we know, Mega, this is a an economy uh, that is state-controlled. Mm. The currency is controlled. I think that they have the reserves clearly have enough reserves to be able to make the currency do what they want it to do, and they don't want it to go down too far, but neither do they want it to go up very much either. 
I think it's worrisome because the United States dollar is particularly strong at the moment. It's strong against the European euro, it's strong against the pound, and it's particularly strong against the yen. And there's the puzzle, because how can you have a currency at its record low of 150 yen to the dollar and the Japanese stock market reaching a record high? So there's quite a difference within Asia, let alone the rest of the world. Your conundrum, Barry, is that, um, quite rightly, you, you highlight Japan. But I think many people will now be looking at Japan as a manufacturing output um, and seeing that the low currency will be massively advantageous to it. Um, and so exports from Japan are likely to continue to rise very strongly. Um, and, that, and that ought to be seen by China as a good market uh, model with which to work. But I think it's still some distance away for China. Um, it is also uh, almost always the case that when you cut interest rates, then currencies will uh, naturally fall a little bit because the currency prices, uh, uh, when compared to from one to another, will be dependent on uh, different interest rate levels. And when you see a cut in interest rates in one currency and not in others, then that currency is more, more than likely to fall. Right. Stuart, the other thing is, you know, in China, we seem to be seeing um, a multi-pronged approach. You know, you have the property sector support coming in, you've got currency market intervention, and even the securities regulator seems to be adopting a more consultative approach and, you know, working with various industry participants. What's been your reading of the, you know, the two-day uh, seminars, multitude of seminars that were held over, I believe, Sunday and Monday, and what this tells you about how things are changing and how uh, the Chinese authorities are approaching the financial markets? Well, if you were looking at uh, uh, maybe many other countries around the mm. world, you'd rather think that there's an air of desperation going on. Mm. I don't think you can necessarily say that about China, mm. um, but it's certainly beginning to look like that because there have been so many measures taken over the last six or nine months, none of which have really worked. The, the market has continued to drift downwards. We've seen property companies going bankrupt. You've seen um, the currency weakening. All of this is, is not going in the direction necessarily that um, had been expected two years ago. Um, and I think that uh, we're, we're getting to a point where various parts of the government of China are now beginning to say, what can we do mm. to solve this? And, and so you know, the message goes out do what you can, and, and each of the different departments, um, coordinated by the PBOC, I, I would add, yeah. um, are, are, are trying their best to find ways that would perhaps receive better or greater appeal from their audience, which is the market itself. Right. And over in Hong Kong next week, we're going to have uh, the financial secretary, Paul Chan, who will be delivering uh, Hong Kong's budget. And uh, you've got a whole uh, you know, bunch of estimates on what the fiscal deficit for the city could be looking like, where might we hear the fiscal reserves are. Uh, Barry, do you think that we could see more concrete announcements, at least on the property front? Because so many voices coming in, the latest one being KPMG, saying that 
Hong Kong needs to step in and step up on what it's doing for the property sector to encourage property investments, the real estate investments, and you know to ease off on the cooling measures that they've been adopting in terms of reserve requirements or other issues. Well, I think you're mm. onto something. Mm. Those uh, those fund managers are onto something. But uh, the fact remains that uh, compared to the mainland, Hong Kong property prices are still too high. Mm. I know that stings if you're a property holder in Hong Kong, uh, saying that in fact prices should come down for property. I think the real issue looked at from the United States for Hong Kong and the mainland is how is Evergrande going to be wound up? And I, I, I don't think there are too many clues except that's in the hands of the Hong Kong regulators and that's going to be a big deal. Right. Stuart, what are you building and what are you expecting from next week? Well, I think the question should be asked, what has Paul Chan achieved from his previous budgets, especially in the, um, the, the area of poverty? Mm. Because Hong Kong still has more than one million people who are below the poverty line. And every budget that I've heard from Paul Chan over the last, what, seven years, I think he's now been delivering budgets, he says he'll do something, but then nothing ever seems to be done. And I think this is this is really the the area that, um, for many people, um, they want to see much bigger efforts being put in by the government to relieve poverty and improve the livelihood of those at the bottom end of the chain. Uh, and that's, that's certainly not been what's happening over the last few years. Um, with regard to the Hong Kong property market itself, yes, I mean, we have, of course, a lot of people are property owners, and it's still well recognized that Hong Kong has probably the most expensive or certainly within the top three expensive property markets worldwide. Um, and <clears throat> on the one hand, uh, most property owners don't want to see the value of their properties drop. On, and so what they want to do is to see support for the property market. And that doesn't seem to be happening in any great way at the moment. Um, and and, and a, a big sign of that is, is often the sales of properties, particularly at weekends and particularly over public holidays. And uh, I think the, the answer there is that they were not very successful over the last few weeks, um, the last few months, indeed. Uh, and so that that will probably cause some concern, particularly in the finance department of the government. Right, definitely. And, uh, you know, this is a city of uh, great wealth, but also great divide. Uh, so let's see what Paul Chan delivers next week. Uh, before we wrap up our conversation for today, gentlemen, uh, I want a, a quick take on uh, the U.S. markets as well as the U.S. Fed meets I, uh, notes uh, that are going to be released uh, late in the day today. Barry, you know, more of the same really is what you're building in? The message is, Mega, uh, higher for longer. Rates are not coming down in March. Stuart has been right on this mm. for a long time, yeah. and perhaps yours truly as well. I think that uh, these notes uh, from the, the minutes of, of the Fed meeting will not be a surprise. I think that um, you mentioned earlier, Mega, the, uh, the merger, proposed merger of Capital One, which is based right outside of Washington, mm -hmm. with Discover Financial in Chicago. Potentially quite significant. We'll see where that goes. 
Absolutely. Yeah, I, I, I think, Barry, we've, we've been right all along here. The U.S. interest rates will stay high. I don't see any reason for the Fed to mm. cut rates anytime soon. I think we should be looking maybe around June, July. Um, to see a, a, a more likely indicator of rate cuts as opposed to an actual rate cut. Right. All right, gentlemen, we leave it there. Thank you so much for joining in today.